threat from the after hours lounge in the back room of the best cigar shop east or just west of this very location. It's the Cigar Hacks. Better known as a bunch of hacks, stuffing cigars, etc. All right, Ricky, where are you? What's up? Okay, second podcast of the night. We're up here in in uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, with Federal Cigar and a bunch of very special guests. Okay, our panel of hacks for this installment are, of course, Nurse Rick. This town needs an enema. The enema boy is in the house. All right, and we got Pat the Pruner. Well, I'm on my, uh, I just had my fourth cigar, I'm going to have my fifth tonight, that's an all-time high, and I think it's going to be the best cigar of the night. Okay. Alright, we got, uh, we're going to go over here to Hunter Rick. Going to the gym. Going to the gym. <laughs> then go to the gym. Hey everybody, uh, we're down up here at uh, Federal Cigar, up in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Uh, big shout out, and uh, second podcast of the night. We got some good guests here tonight, and uh, I, think, I think the show is going to be fun, so I hope you enjoy it. Okay, we have Pat, the law student. Looked at my kingdom, I was finally there to sit on my throne at the Prince oh, of Bel yeah. Air. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me again. Uh, I went from having. Uh, my hacks virginity broke. Doing it two times a month, so that's <laughs> awesome. We're happening again. Yeah, twice in two weeks. Okay, and then uh, you want to do the guests, Ricky? Sure. So, so we have sitting over on to our left a very famous person who's been on the show a number of times. Only the shadow knows. We got the shadow. Hey, it's nice to be back with the axe, and we're at the Coburn College in Portsmouth. Portsmouth. Deep in the woods of New Hampshire. Thank Shadow Nose. Okay. We have, uh, sitting sitting behind Hunter Rick, we have the new manager of Twins Cigar Shop. We have Sean. I got the hook while my DJ revolves it. Glad to be back. It's going to be a great show. We have one of the most famous reps in the land. This man has has received the very first trophy from the Sakai Act. We have... What you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you? Bad boys, bad boys. What you going to do? Mike Thanks, McCarthy. gentlemen. Always a pleasure to be back on the show with the Hacks. Excited right. to be here celebrating Federal Cigar's 100th anniversary, 100 strong years in Portland. Let's go. Thanks for having us. Okay. We have sitting sitting in the seat over here, to our special guest on his left side. We have uh, Killer's very special friend, Joe, the the well, Godfather. Yeah. Hey, how you yeah, doing? I got this friend named Joey Jojo Junior Shabadoo. That's the worst name I ever heard. Oh, <laughs> oh you guys suck. Hello, hey, Joey. Joey. <laughs> hey, how you doing? I'm Joey Bianco from Boston, Massachusetts. Cool, bitch. How you oh, doing? Yeah. How you doing? How you doing? Okay. And also a very, very special. Oh, we have another special guest star. Hello, it's. It's your trusted bartender, Aphrodite. Or That's Aphrodite, right, Aphrodite. In my She's world. She's the best. Great goddess. Say my name, you know who I am, I'm too high. 
Excellent. Thank you for being on. Thank you for having me. Okay. And for our very special guest star, we have oh, I gotta the hear. Rocky Patel. Okay. Happy to be here. The greatest podcast in the world, the planet, the hacks. Rocky Patel here, joining the hacks for the greatest podcast of all time. This is going to be awesome. Get ready. Get ready to rock and roll. Put your seatbelts Let's on. go. Did we get everybody, Ricky? Yeah. I think we Just got everybody. This is your humble enough to produce a cigar hack, Dave. To the man! The man! The legend! All right. Our segments include a Hidden Earth Blind Cigar Review, except we're smoking. What are we smoking here tonight? The Edge 20th anniversary. Edge 20. Just released. 20. First time 20. ever to smoke this on the East Coast. Friday. All right. We have uh, local spotlight Sky Lounge review. And uh, maybe we'll do Controversy Corner where we expose the ugly underbelly of possible truth along with Hidden Earth Repeal. Hidden Earth Recap. Find us all over the internet, usual places. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our website, cigarhex.com. All right. Let's Jeremy. get into the cigar here. Foot smell is really good. Mikey, tell us what, oh, yeah. what this is. Listen, I cannot be the person to tell you about that when you have the man right here that put this together and blended it with all well, the great tobaccos ask, we have. And we're going to ask him a whole bunch of questions about this. This is our Edge 20th anniversary. Just got into town, right, Rocky? I mean, this just landed Monday in Miami, and we... Yeah, so we literally uh, were proud to be here to introduce this cigar in Portsmouth here. I'm very proud of this cigar. I think this cigar put us on the map. 20-some years ago, people thought I was crazy when I introduced a cigar. So we wanted to make a cigar about 20 years ago that looked like a cigar that came right out of the rolling parlors to the consumer. And so I made a 100-count box without a band, and we put these cigars on a 100-count box in these, like, basically record wooden boxes that looked like they came right out of Honduras, right to the consumer. And... The cigar was a home run. The beauty about it is we had a particular filler that made up 50% of the tobacco that was very, very unique and different. Nobody in the world uses tobacco. So I always told the people when we introduced the cigar, it came out with a Corolla wrapper, came out with a Maduro wrapper, 50% of the tobacco was Hamastron from Honduras. The Hamastron's got a lot of sweetness. It's got a lot of flavor. The Costa Rican Maduro wrapper, nobody used a wrapper from Costa Rica. It had a Costa Rican Maduro wrapper, which had a lot of caramel, nuttiness, a lot of flavor. The Corojo, many people are used to a Corojo wrapper. It's sweet, it's got spice, but it was unique. But I never revealed for about 10 years what the other 50% of the filler was. And the other 50% of the filler was from Panama. Nobody ever used filler from Panama. And this cigar had a unique, distinct character. It was very unique, very different. And then when we introduced it in a 100-count box without a wrapper or without a band, people started replicating and duplicating that cigar and putting fake cigars called the edge in those boxes. And ultimately, I had to finally put a band on it, and we put a band on it. We put actually labels on the box saying original edge. This is not the fake. This is not duplicated. That's the original edge. Because what would happen is when we had a 100-count box and the cigars would sell out, people were taking fake cigars and reloading them in the boxes, trying to claim they were edges, trying to market them. 
So unfortunately, I have to start putting a label and a band on them to really recognize the original edge. And so two years later, we started putting a label on it for the edge Maduro, for the edge Corojo, and actually sold it at the edge. And it became one of the hottest cigars on the market. And we're proud now, 20 years later, to reintroduce the 20th anniversary of the Edge. Most of you know, after the Edge Corojo, after the Edge Maduro, we came up with an Edge Sumatra, Edge Habano, Edge Connecticut. So the Edge has grown to be a staple for the Rocky Patel family. But now we're so proud to release this new 20th anniversary. And what makes it special is about 15 to 20 years ago, Everybody in the industry, the great cigar makers like Ernesto Perez Carrillo, Carlito Fuente, many other people out there were using the Sumatra wrapper from Ecuador. It was an amazing wrapper. It had a lot of flavor. It had some spice, had some sweetness. But what happened is the great growers that were growing that wrapper, they started changing the seed varietal. And I don't blame them because they were not getting the yields. They were getting a lot of problems with disease with that wrapper. They were getting black shank, which is a disease that attacks the actual root system of the plant and destroys the plant. Then they were also having problems with another disease that destroys the entire farm, and it's a spore that travels through the air called blue mold, and it was destroying their farms. So they decided to come out with a different type of Sumatra wrapper that was still called Ecuadorian Sumatra, but they changed it to a seed called Havana 2000. And Havana 2000 was more resilient to all the disease, the black shank and the blue mold. And they had a much better yield, and the wrapper was much better, and looked better. Because the original Sumatra wrapper had a lot of toothiness, it had a lot of veins to it, and they came out this new wrapper with the Havana 2000 seed that was not as toothy, didn't have all the veins, was more resilient to all the disease, Unfortunately, that wrapper did not taste the same as the original Sumatra seed. It took me years and years, probably eight years, to find small farmers in Ecuador to grow the original Sumatra seed, which we started buying and storing. And we used that wrapper on the 20th anniversary of The Edge, and it is a fantastic, fantastic cigar that is complex, it's rich, it's got notes of caramel, coffee it's got balance it's got some spice it's got some pepper a little over medium bodied and this is the original launch of that cigar and i hope you enjoy it and i think it's going to be home run we've taken thousands of people down to honduras and we lay out all the different tobaccos and people get to make blends with all the different tobaccos and actually is one of our reps gary moore from dallas texas who actually made a blend that tasted like the edge he used some different fillers from panama and things and i was like wow this is amazing and then i took that blend and i remastered it and that's when we launched the edge so So, it it wasn't any of our any other people it was gary moore from dallas texas who came up with a certain type of cigar and then i took that cigar and i changed the balance of that cigar i changed the fillers i changed the you know and, and so he was the one who actually came up the cigar, and I smoked it, and I go, wow, this blows me away. And so that was the original cigar that was launched. It was called The Edge, and it was Gary Moore from Dallas, Texas, a rep from Dallas, Texas, who came up with a certain blend that I liked. And then I worked with that blend, worked on it for about eight months, 
And then we released the edge. And I said, no cigar on the market tastes like the cigar. And nobody had Panamanian tobacco. Nobody used it. Nobody even heard of it. And, and that's what makes it unique. And, and believe it or not, not only does the edge have 50% Panamanian tobacco, the decade became like a 95 rated cigar, one of the top rated cigars in the world. That also has Panamanian tobacco. And so hard right now to get that tobacco sure because there's very few farmers in Panama growing that tobacco. And we're constantly, constantly hunting down that tobacco. Very, very hard to get. Not only did we have the Corolla on the edge, but we had a Costa Rican Maduro yeah, wrapper. Nobody heard of Costa Rican Maduro. And I love that wrapper. It's so hard to find. And that Costa Rican has that nuttiness that you find in, you know, anytime you open up almonds or peanuts or cashews. So it's got that mixed with the Panamanian, with the sweetness of the Honduran. I mean, it's just a unique cigar, and I don't think there's any blend like it. And now that we've added this new Sumatra wrapper, the original Sumatra wrapper from Ecuador, I think this cigar really delivers. 100%. I've never had uh, Panama or Costa Rica tobacco, and this is really good. This is really good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoy it. So, Rocky, how long have you been doing this for? 20 years? Is that the... No, this, this is my 26th this, year in the this, business. So this is the 28th anniversary of this cigar. Yeah, so when I first started blending this cigar was 20 years ago. So I'm going to... I'm so gonna, released it about 19 years ago, but I started blending it 20 years ago. So I'm going to back up a little bit. I'm going to ask you just a few questions, one of which is you're a Green Bay, Wisconsin guy. <laughs> and and you go out to California and became a very well-known lawyer. I did a little research about you while I was sitting here. In the 1990s, basically how I want to know is, how does a guy from Green Bay, Wisconsin, become the Rocky Patel of this world? Now, I do know that you were part of the Grand Havana group. Yeah, so it's a really interesting story. I mean, I, I never thought I'd be in the cigar business. It was purely luck and uh, very, very unique different american dream story i mean i was an attorney in los angeles i was representing a number of famous celebrities yes, were. and uh i never smoked a cigar in my life i never smoked a cigarette in my life and when you're on the movie set you really wait for two three hours for lighting for sound for makeup and all these guys were smoking cigars whether it was mel gibson or schwarzenegger right. and all these guys so we, they were smoking cigars, so I started smoking cigars. My, I remember my first cigar was a movie. Uh, it was a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie called Double Dragon in Cleveland, Ohio. It was the only city that would allow us to light the, the river on fire. We'd do these stunts, and, and they sent these assistants to pick up a box of Macanudo Prince Phillips, right? And so we started smoking cigars, and I started smoking cigars. And then Next to my office in Beverly Hills, the Grand Havana Room opened up. And when it opened up, I became one of the original founding members. And pretty soon, all the celebrities joined and became the the cool hangout place in Beverly Hills. And it was like Cigar Aficionado just came out at the same time. And it was a perfect storm. And I was just hanging out there after work, smoking a cigar, enjoying a drink, relaxing. And after two, three, four, five years hanging out there, a young kid by the name of Philip Zangi approached me, and he goes, listen, I got a line of cigars. I got the license to Indian Motorcycle Company. I've got a brand called Indian Tobacco. Will you invest in it? And being young and dumb at that time, I said, okay, I'm going to invest. And I invested some money. I kept putting in more money, more money. And finally, I saw no money coming back. I took over the company, 
And everyone said to me, you'll never make it in this business. You have no idea what you're doing. This is a business typically handed down from generation to generation. You got to be of Cuban descent. You got to be born in these families. You can't just come out with a cigar. And I remember back then, geez, I was smoking. I mean, Fonseca's and, you know, I mean, back then, obviously, those Fuentes and Avos and everything was mild, Macanudos and, you know, everything. And so... I was just sitting there. I said, I got to get my money back. So I went to Dominican, Nicaragua, Honduras. I spent a lot of time there asking questions, learning, curing, fermentation, making blends, seeing what people are doing right, what people are doing wrong, just learning, learning, learning. And I said, you know, I, I see these guys. They're, they're really technicians. Uh, they know a lot about smoking cigars, making cigars, but they don't know anything about marketing, the branding. And and then I said, you know what? I got carjacked down in Los Angeles. Uh, my parents, I grew up in Green Bay. Uh, I hated L.A. I hated the whole lifestyle there. I didn't like the people. They were all full of <laughs> They're all fake. <laughs> and, and I said, I got to get out of here. So <laughs> I, I moved to Naples, Florida, and I just went for it. And I went for it. I gave up the career. I went for it. When somebody tells me I can't do something, I got my antlers up, and I said, I'm going to make this happen. And I started from nothing. I started with three employees basically out of a garage, and we built it up to 3,500 employees. But it took 25 years of sacrificing family, friends, relationships, living on the road. The one thing I remember is I said people don't remember the 100 good cigars they smoked. They remember one bad one. So I took control of the quality and consistency of making a great cigar. And I know the only way I could make it, because when we first started, we were having other people make cigars for us. And I knew I had a good palate because I love to cook. And uh, I had a good palate. I'd make Wine. great blends, and they'd be great. So I'd make these cigars. I'd go on the road. And when I actually got the production <clears throat> cigars, they were nowhere near the blends I made. And so people would buy them when I was in the store out of respect. As soon as I left, nobody bought them. And other people were making cigars for us. And I said, the only way I'm going to succeed is if I could take complete control of the production. And that's when I went down to Honduras. I met the Placencia family. I said, I said, Nestor, I said, you're one of the greatest growers of Cuban seed tobacco in the world. People know the Padron family. They know the Puente family. They respect them for great growing and great making cigars and all that. You're known for growing great tobacco, but nobody respects you for making great quality cigars. Let me come in and allow me, please give me some of the great tobacco you have. Because at that time, you couldn't get the relationships to get the great tobacco when you're nobody. I said, allow me to have this tobacco. Let me cure this. Let me ferment it. Let me spend the four or five years as involved. Let me age the tobacco. Let me get involved in the construction let me make sure that we have the strictest quality control standards. Let me do this. Let me do this. And there was another company called UST Tobacco that made Don Tomas and Astral. Mm -hmm. And they had $80, $90 million of this aged vintage tobacco, a Sumatra wrapper, a broadleaf wrapper. And I went to them and I said, listen, can I buy all this tobacco? They said, absolutely not. But if you make cigars here, I said, the only way I'll make cigars here is if you let me take com complete control of the production. And that's when I made 128 blends, and I came up with the one blend, and we launched the 1990 and the 92 vintage, and I had complete control of the factory. And that's when I changed the name from Indian Tobacco to Rocky Patel, and I knew I was so proud of the blend. I was proud of the construction. The draw was perfect. The construction was perfect. 
and we launched, launched the rocket until 1990-92, and that's when it took off in the right path. Did you have wow. to pay royalties to Indian Motorcycle? I did. So it was okay. interesting. So, you know, when it was Indian Motorcycle, since the, the problem was the problem was Indian Motorcycle kept going out of business. They kept going into right. bankruptcy. And every time they were in a bankruptcy, the receiver would call me and say, oh, you pay me 250000 or a half million dollars to go ahead to have the license. And I said to them, I wish the cigar would sell because it says Indian Tobacco. I'll pay right. you $2 million. Nobody gives a about Indian right. tobacco, Indian That's motorcycle. Right. Cigars don't sell for that reason. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so I was stuck yeah. for the first four or five years when I was doing Indian tobacco. I was stuck in that relationship. And then I learned and I grew up and I realized the business. And that's when we took control and had the deal with UST. And I said, okay, I got this great tobacco. I have control of the production. I made this blend that I like. And that's when I changed it to Rocky Patel. And so the first thing that was launched was 1990 and 92, and it took off. And then I went to the Placencia family, and, and that's when we launched The Edge. And I said, let me take over this empty building that you have that was owned by Swisher, and they were making uh, bearings back then. And they got out of that whole business. Let me take over. Allow me to take control of the production. And then that's when we had The Edge. And soon after, we had The Decade. Trust me, there was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of stuff. It was very, very difficult to gain the respect because they all thought I'd be one and done. I'd be one and like yeah. The boom, when there was about 150 different people got into the cigar business back then. And they all thought they would take their money, churn and burn. And they thought I'd be one of those guys, churn and burn. And I was not going away. And I said, allow me, please allow me to do it my way. And then when they saw the success of the vintage, then I came out of the Placencia. I said, give me the tobacco. Let me work with it. Let me do it the right way. And trust me, there was a lot of, lot of screaming and yelling. And, you know, but at the end of the day, I have so much respect for that family because they trusted me. They believed in me and yeah. they allowed me to do what I wanted to do. And over time, we gained respect. We worked together. And that was the growth of business. And, and when did your, uh, when did your brother Nish and uh, your cousin Nemish get involved? Were they from the beginning with you? or No, they weren't at the beginning. So Nimish actually was the first person. It's an interesting story. When I actually started my business under Indian Tobacco in Los Angeles, uh, my cousin Nimish was actually working in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and he was the head of one of those uh, companies that does phone marketing, blah, 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 whatever they do. And I said, I want you to come to L.A. and start working for me. So it's interesting. He comes over. He stays at my house. He gets dressed in a suit and tie. He goes, I'm ready to go to the office. I'm like, okay, let's go. We have breakfast up there. And he goes, where are we going? And I walk him downstairs to the garage. My <laughs> office is behind my garage. He goes, he goes you got to be kidding me. This is what I left my job for, and that's how we started. So it's the sport that, code. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Nimish started with me first. And it wasn't until, uh, that was 1996, 97. <laughs> And it wasn't until we moved to Naples in 99, yep. then my brother came to me and started working, I want to say 2003, 2004. Right. So at that, that point, it's, uh, we'd already launched the vintage, and we'd launched the edge, and we're starting to launch the decade, and that's, that's when my brother came. And uh, wow. as you all know, my brother's a machine. Yeah. Uh, he's an that's animal. And, you know. yep. I mean, listen, I, I think we changed the dynamic of the industry. I think... Uh, yep. 
when I started, you know, I, I got three lives. And as I told you before, when yeah. we had other people making cigars for us, and I would go get these cigars and I tried to sell them, I wanted to cry because they just weren't up to par of the blend that I made at the factory. And it wasn't until we controlled our own destiny and had our own production. And no brand owner ever went on the road. And I basically lived 300 days on the road, building relationships with the retailers, with the consumers, seeing what the consumers wanted smoke. I mean, I lived out of a car. I lived on couches. I lived at, back then, I couldn't afford to stay at a hotel, uh, let alone a motel. And so we started that way. But I mean, there was times where I had 600 cities in 700 days. Yep. And, Selling and, boxes to get gas to get you hey, to the next yeah, location. Whatever. But, you know, I, I was lucky enough that finally when I had my own brand and control Let's of go. my own destiny and control of my own production that I had those three lives and they gave me another chance because the relationship I built. Yep. And I think I changed the industry in, in that I got out in front and met the consumers and met the retailers. Nobody had done that. And and everybody does give me crap in the industry, like, oh, my God, you're making us work harder now. Because yep. nobody had ever done that, right? They sat back, they advertised, they run magazines, and they sold their brands. Well, I pounded the road, and now everybody else is pounding the road. And it was something that I did because I, I did it out of necessity. I knew I didn't know better. And, you know, I was the outsider. I, I didn't have the heritage... I was just nobody. So I just worked hard. And what drives me is the fear of failure. And everybody says, yeah, you can go up to the top and you can do this. But what scares me, and I have dreams every night where I wake up and I didn't pass the bar exam in law school or I wasn't ready for a test or, you know, the same thing happens to me with the cigar industry. I get dreams like, hey, what are you going to do? You're broke. And so I never let the foot off the gas. I've always had the foot on the gas whole time. And it's just something in my blood that drives me because I've worked so hard. I came from nothing. It wasn't like it was given to me. So it was something that's bred in me about putting the foot on the gas and just keep going and going and going. I have two other questions. Can, can I intervene real quick? And ask sure. I, I've been smoking cigars for like two and a half years now. We're working at Twins. With what I know, you started at the time of the Don Nobodies, right? The end of the boom. So, which is arguably the hardest time to start a brand. I guess what I'm curious, so you, you, you did a lot of on-the-road stuff. You were, like, really interactive with B&M. So, I guess current day, like, how imperative is a B&M to a brand? Like, if you're a new brand, like, making those connections with those B&Ms. Well, I think it's, it's very important. I, I think this business is a relationship business, right? And there's a reason I'm here. I could be home. It's close mm-hmm. to Christmas. Uh, my parents, you know, uh, they're upset that I'm not spending time with them. Uh, my mom cries every time I leave. You know, I mean, it's a hard thing. But when you're so passionate about a thing, you know, I guess in life you have to have a balance at some point. For me, it's not about the money. It's about the pride. It's about, uh, you know, like I said, the fear of failure. And uh, at, at any one time, you can have something great and you can lose it very quickly if you don't stand behind it. And that's why I never let the foot off the gas, as I said. And I don't want to take this topic to the side point, but uh, we have been really attacked by the FDA. We've been attacked by, uh, you know, uh, unfair regulations, unfair taxes, unfair, uh, you know, anti-smoking regulations. And I spent so much time, I probably spent 
in the last seven years, I will tell you that I spent 50% of my time in Washington, D.C. fighting the FDA. Uh, I spent other 10, 15% of my time on phone calls <coughs> dealing with state taxes, state regulations. Uh, all those things affect the entire industry, but somebody's got to take the lead. And I feel like I'm so vested in this industry because I came from nothing. Yep. It wasn't given to me that, you know, I've worked so hard that I don't want to lose it all. And that's why I so much care about what goes on in this industry. And I think that's important to go out and build a relationship with consumers and customers. And I know that my peers uh, get upset because they're like, you started this trend and you're making us all work so hard and get away from our families. And it is a very, 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 very difficult job to be on the road because you've got 2,500 accounts. How many people can you possibly visit in a year? And so I've kind of started this trend, and it bites me in my own ass. But I actually enjoy it. I mean, yeah, do I hate the unpacking and packing and going through TSA and going through, you know, airports and, yeah. and doing all the stuff that I have to do. But but it's important to me to get out there and visit people. I could sit back at my office and let other people do the work, but I enjoy it, and, and I care, and, and, and I want to spread uh, you know, the knowledge about, you know, making sure that this small cottage industry survives because we're under attack from all this regulation. We're under attack from, you know, the American Cancer Society, American Lung Association, tobacco-free kids, yep. everybody else. And unfortunately, they lump everything with the cigarette companies yep. and with yeah. the machine-made companies. And our product is so unique and so different. We don't have youth access issues. Kids are not smoking the cigars. Our cigars... I mean, all the data and science that we've really spent hundreds and millions of dollars from the New England Journal of Medicine, from the FDA's own records show, and the judge has ruled in our favor from all the lawsuits we filed in federal court to show that premium cigars don't pose a risk to the public at large. They're enjoyed by adults occasionally, not like us, but most often. And the reality of the situation is they're not inhaled and then art form just like a single malt scotch a great glass of wine and everything else is uh do you know the name uh, dr mccosey i don't okay the cigar authority yep had dr mccosey on who was the head of the cdc for 20 years and came on the show to talk about the lack of publication about cancers and cigars and basically said other than mouth cancers, you will never find an article no. that never. relates cigar smoking right. with cancer. And this guy was the head of the CDC. And listen, and we proved it in court in three different lawsuits. Right. Yeah. We spent $14 million. Yeah. And Judge Mehta, who was appointed by Obama, and yep. so it wasn't a Republican judge, in the District Court of Virginia, the first lawsuit we had, was against warning stickers, right? So they wanted 30% of the boxes to have warning stickers portraying all those ugly pictures that we see on cigarettes and everything else. And we presented all the evidence to the judge, and the judge basically ruled that after looking at all the evidence from the FDA and everything else, that premium scars don't pose a risk to the public at large, and there's no youth access issues, and we have a First Amendment right yeah. to be able to portray our family heritage, talk about our vintage tobaccos, just like they do on wines and scotches. We won that. The second lawsuit was they wanted every single cigar to go through chemical constituent testing, yeah. 
and you could not release any new cigars after 2017. And the logic was so flawed that I can't even get to the exercise of why they thought this way. But they were trying to tell you that cigars that were made before 2007 are okay, but any new cigars are different and can't be sold. Well, the cigars that are made now are totally the same as cigars that were made 10, 20 decades ago. So it made no sense. We won that lawsuit, and the judge again said that the FDA has not shown enough science to show that there's the the burden on the industry based on this regulation completely outweighs the benefit that cigars have to the public at large. And finally, filed a third lawsuit in federal court to get rid of the entire egregious and overwhelming regulations from the FDA. And the judge again ruled in our favor, said those regulations should have been more tailored to our cigars versus... And and let me tell you how all this started. This all started because cigarette companies were manipulating tobacco. And they're adding nicotine and tar. Cigar companies don't do that. And every cigar is made differently. How I make my cigars, how I cure my tobacco, ferment my cigar is different than what the Puentes do or the Padrones do or anybody. Everyone's got their own family recipe. Every roller makes the cigar different. Not one roller makes the cigar for the same blend. It cannot be exactly the same. It's made by hand. It's impossible to make it. A cigarette is made by machine, and everyone can be controlled. So at the end of the day, the judge got rid of the entire FDA regulation, and what we're waiting for finally is there's two ways this is going to end up. The judge has got a rule. He can take that rule and remand it back to the FDA and say, the FDA, you need to come up with a new regulation for how you deal with premium scars, or you can get rid of the entire rule. Of course, our brief says, please get rid of the entire rule because the FDA has got a chance to look at premium scars. They haven't had the opportunity to deal with it the proper way and they need to just get rid of the entire rule because it makes no sense. So that's what we're waiting for the ruling. Right now, under the TTB tax code and under the definition of what a premium cigar is, it includes products like blunt wraps. So if you take a grape, watermelon, apple blunt wrap, it's categorized the same as a premium cigar. So what we did is it took us years to educate Congress and Senate and show them that this is a handmade product. Okay, There's nothing added to this product but clean water. There's right. nothing that we do to manipulate the tobacco. <laughs> and it's very, very different than all these machine-made products and other products. Obviously, it's very different than cigarettes, and we know cigarettes have youth access problems. The other products that have grape, watermelon, and they're blunt wraps, they're basically a leaf that is out in the marketplace. It is used for different things, right. whatever it might right. be. And this is enjoyed by adults. There's yes. no youth access issues. So, and... There is no science to show that right. it possesses a risk to the public at large. Good, Mike. That. Real quick, just to go back to Pat's question, because it really, like, it sat with me. You asked him. Basically, what I heard was how important are brick and mortars. And, you know, you guys know I came from the law enforcement background. I was the last person probably anybody that I knew expected to be out there being a salesman, which I don't even consider myself one. It's being a person who's passionate about this industry and cigars and our family at Rocky Patel. And I didn't get a whole lot of real true marching orders, but one of the things that always struck me that Rocky said to me early on when we started talking about me, you know, taking the place of Max and, and doing this and me thinking like, wow, yeah, I really want to do that is about brick and mortar. And, and Rocky told me right off the bat, like, 
You know, these are our family. Like your accounts when you're out there, it's our family and treat every single one of them the same. So it doesn't matter, you know, if you have, you know, five facings or 50 facings, you spend $1,000 or $100,000 or more, you know, a year on our products. They're part of our family and treat everybody sure. the same and brick and mortar and, and building relationships with the consumers. And so, like, my answer to your question is like, yeah, I mean, brick and mortar is sure. where it's at. Like, this is, like he says, a relationship industry and there's nothing better well, than well, going the, into the, a the, shop. The, the important thing about brick and mortar is when you get a consumer that comes into a store, you can educate them, right? Yep. So a lot of people, the first question I ask, what do you like to smoke? Mild, medium, or full body, number one, right? And then some people say, oh, I want a full-body cigar, but they really don't know what full-body cigar is. They're smoking Connecticut shade. Or somebody that's like, oh, I'm a mild smoker, and they're smoking a full-body cigar. But that is the entry. Like, when you walk into a brick-and-mortar store, you have people, tobacconists, that really have knowledge. They've, most of them been down to the factories. They've been to Nicaragua, Honduras, Dominican. They're educated on how to sell a cigar. And... You want to make sure they have a great experience when they smoke their first cigar. Right. And brick and mortar is so important to introduce any brand to a consumer. They can guide you. They can tell you the taste profiles. They're knowledgeable about the taste profiles. And so it's so important to this cottage industry of having educated tobacconists at these retail stores that can guide you in the right profile of what you want to smoke. Good question. So I have a, like a comment to kind of add to that, and it kind of poses a question. So from what you've said, it seems like the burdens on the manufacturer to really prove to the FDA that, you know, the deregulation essentially. Should that burden solely be on the manufacturer, or is there something that the B&Ms can do to kind of further the point that you guys are driving in court? Well, so, you know, because like you said, we're we're the point of sale. So, again, like statistics that the FDA use against us is going to be from the point of sale, you know, whether it's mine or whatever it is. But what can a B&M do to kind of further your argument in court? Like, what can we do better or how can we educate the consumer to really show that this industry isn't, you know, advantageous to miners or whatever? So I think the brick and mortars already do a great job because you can't come into a retail store unless you're 21 years right. old, right? You yeah. card the person. So kids are not buying the cigars because you're carded before you buy a cigar, number one. Secondly, you don't see kids sitting around a schoolyard smoking cigars. You don't see people outside their office buildings chain smoking cigars. They're smoking cigarettes, okay? They're outside. They take the 30-second or 45 two-minute break, smoking cigarettes. They're not smoking cigars. Uh, That's not the issue. I think that we've had an amazing relationship between Cigar Rights of America, which is a family-owned companies, and you have the PCA, which is a retail organization of brick and mortars. Together, we've spent $14 million between lobbyists and between the lawsuits. We've had a lot of success in Congress and Senate convincing these politicians about why premium cigars in this cottage handmade industry is unique and different than all tobacco products. We've actually had three different opportunities where we've had exemption language going to bills that have gone into the Senate side in omnibus bills or appropriation bills about to get us a full exemption. And at the last minute, the language gets pulled out. Finally, we went into the courts and we yeah. won our battle in the courthouse. I'm going to get out of politics. Yeah. I'm going to bring this back to the cigar world. 
I got a question. I want to know specifically as compared to like a Padron, some of the big factories and so forth. Rocky Patel is the main manufacturer of the cigar for the for this international longest smoking tournament. Oh, the Cigar Smoking World Championship cigar, yes. How did how did Rocky Patel become why why Rocky Patel? Why a Rocky Patel cigar? And what is the cigar that is the Cigar Smoking World Championship? Yeah. So you know it, it's it's kind of uh, uh, a unique thing. Uh, I mean, first of all, I never believed in that concept because I don't believe in smoking a cigar as slow as you can. Right. I never believed in that. I believed in a long ash competition. Okay, that's fine. You get a bunch of guys sit around and see how long an ash you can have. have fun. That's important, right? Because right. a cigar has got to be constructed perfectly that's to have right. a long ash. That makes sense. To smoke a cigar as slow as possible made no sense to me. Made zero sense to me. The only reason I got involved is I saw this international hype. We had 58 countries, and these guys were going crazy. And I was like, I said, there's no freaking... And I wanted to split Croatia, and I saw this championship, and people from Russia, from Australia, from all over the world, freaking Turkey, I mean, Azerbaijan, everywhere, whatever. And they're sitting there, and they're seriously sitting there for three hours, 40 minutes, struggling about how to keep the cigar lit and smoking it. And not a Toro. And and it was a little small Corona, petite Corona. I go, these guys are nuts. (laughs) So uh, from a logical perspective, it makes zero sense. Right. From a marketing perspective, it's huge. it was an advantage because I saw people had yeah. so much hype. They cared so much about it, and they really took it into a competition. And that's why we got involved. And I said, if I'm going to get involved, I want to make a cigar that tastes great, that is constructed well, and do it right. Because I'm not going to mention the company before that did it. Right. right. They didn't even sell the cigar. So I said, if I'm going to do it, we're going to make the cigar available to the consumer. I'm going to blend it so it tastes great, and the rest is up to you guys to enjoy it. And so yeah, I think yeah. the point so, here is what's going on in the your international market, right? So what's happening is the Cubans have dried up for a number of reasons. Uh, they don't have enough wrapper. The farmers that were growing tobacco in Cuba are now resorting to growing other things because they don't have enough money. They've had some issues with uh, the storms, etc. The Chinese company out of hong kong bought that most of the good cigars of what's left is being diverted to china uh i went to the frankfurt airport duty free is empty there's no cubans i went to heathrow it's empty uh if you go into a natural humidor so the original tradition was it used to be 70 percent cubans 20 percent davidoff and 10 percent what they call new world cigars and now it's about 60 to 70% what they call New World cigars, maybe 10% right. Davidoff, and the Cubans have completely so, dried off. So, so there's a huge opportunity for all the makers right. from Dominican, Nicaragua, and Honduras to really pierce into the rest of the world. And I truly believe, and it, it per, taste is personal, right? But as far as construction, quality, and consistency, without a doubt, the cigars that are made out of Nicaragua, Honduras, Dominican are far better yeah. than Cubans. Go ahead. You were going to say something about so, it. So, I'm a fishing guy, okay? I can sit on a boat with Reverend Harvey, who can sit and smoke the Rocky Patel, the last <laughs> one we smoked, 
And yeah. three and a half hours later, that sucker's still going <laughs> as he's sitting on the boat catching fish. So anyway, thank you. This yes, is thank this you. is this is awesome. What do you guys think of this cigar uh, we're smoking here? This is outstanding. It's a great cigar. It's a great cigar. It, it, what's what's scary is the cigar we smoked a few weeks ago. Yes, this is like I can't give it a better rating. Yeah, <laughs> this is. I'm going to change my rating system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, listen, one of the things we're very, very proud of is uh, obviously you have to grow great tobacco, but once it starts, it's all about curing the tobacco and Absolutely. fermenting the tobacco. Fermenting is simply the natural biological decomposition of tobacco. All that rich fertilizer that you had in the farm. Five, you know what's awesome, yeah. Rocky, is, is uh, you know, we're getting to hear about a regular guy, passionate, somebody who wasn't born, yeah. somebody who wasn't born into right. the cigar world, like Carlito Fuente. Well, his father was a Toro Fuente. I mean, Padrones. Everybody had a grandfather that was in this business, but you didn't. Well, listening to you, you're and, very humble. You're very you're a people person. You know, and that's, you're, you respect. You know, well, nobody thought I'd ever make it. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, they all thought there's no chance I'd ever make it. Right? They thought this is a guy like an Indian we'll guy coming out. into the yeah. Industry. We'll take his money. Yeah. We'll take his money, and he's going to be gone. But I knew, I knew I was going to be persistent. I knew what I wanted. I knew when I decide and make my mind up on doing something, I want to do it the best and conquer and do it the right way. And, and it was all, and it starts with quality. Yeah. Quality, quality, and quality. consistency. If you don't have quality, 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 consistency, I don't care how much money you spend on marketing. I don't right. care what your packaging right. is. you got to deliver. And, and being a chef, I knew I had a good palate. I love to cook. And I love and listen. I get tired of smoking my own cigars. Right. I, get, I, I, I smoke other cigars. Sure. There's only so many of my own cigars I can smoke. After a while, you get tired of your own so, taste. So, so I what, smoke other cigars. So when you have two great cigars. Yeah. What, come, what comes next? Yeah, yeah. more great yeah. Well, I mean, you know, so <laughs> right. the, the, my what I really enjoy is blending. To me, right. blending is like my passion. Your creativity, and I'm always searching for tobaccos from different parts of the world, from different unique places. How do I create a different blend? Right? Because after a while, there's Nicaraguan, right. the Dominican, right. there's right. Honduran. That's what everyone uses. And that's why we reached out to Panama. We reached out to Costa Rica. Uh, we're working on different projects. Yeah, I can't Jamaica. tell you in different parts of the world, but but it's it's about just taking the different seed varietals. Uh, we're working on uh, on cross breeding different seeds yeah. to come up with unique stuff. Because yeah. after a while, how much more can you do? How, right? how, how, so how is that? So, how is so, the cross breeding? Because I'm a horticulturalist, as people know on the podcast. No, really. <laughs> yeah. well, so I know yeah. from a ornamental plant. That's my industry, and they do a lot of crossbreeding, propagating. I know a lot of the science of that, the horticulture. Kentucky yeah. bluegrass, yeah. that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, Northern Sensamia and Kentucky bluegrass. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that, the grafting and, and different stuff. So how is that with so Rocky Patel? You know, in, in the old days, it really didn't matter much, right? Right. Now, we actually have some of the top people from top agricultural schools yep. that are involved with us in cross-breeding the tobaccos. And they actually, and, you know, when we get the seeds, you actually take the seeds and we cross-pollinate the seeds. Yep. Yep. And we work on this stuff. And there's a lot more science that's come into this industry that was never there 20 yeah. years ago. So this 
the, the industry is developed and it's yeah. progressing and there's much more science Hey, involved. shut up! We're doing a podcast! And much more agronomics <laughs> involved in this industry. So the industry's matured and it's moving. And I think cigars now are better than they've ever been before in history. Uh, the cigars are, you know, um, I think the, the consistency, the, 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 the character, the, the, the blending, the, the construction is better than ever in history. And it's very, very competitive. Yeah. And I think the consumers are getting a better cigar now than they've ever got in the last two decades. I'm thinking right now, like, we got Pat and Rocky together for a little while. We could legitimately come up with a blend so, that you could play Rocky, 18 holes so, on. Hey, smoke so, the I should come down to Florida <laughs> on your boat. So, Rocky, so Rocky you I'll know, tell you what, I'm about to tackle somebody yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. so, so, Rocky, you know, I've been saying this. I say it to a lot of the uh, people in this industry. The cigar hacks, we don't have a cigar named after us. Ooh. Wouldn't it be a beautiful name? I can cigar certainly hack. make a private label for the cigar oh, hacks. Hey, and I'll tell good. you what, it'll be damn good. Hey, it will be <laughs> damn I'll good. It. I'll bet it, it will be. I bet it will be. So, yeah. I have one question I usually ask. Wait, everybody. you already asked two questions. You asked yeah. two questions. I'm good for five. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, this is like a traditional question I ask manufacturers. So, Rocky, do you blend for your palate subjectively, or do you blend for the market? Ooh, that's a hundred percent blend for question. my palate subjectively. Wow! I never have ever made a cigar saying what's going to sell. Never. I know that because um, I've heard him say that I, numerous I, times. I, when I start making blends, I'll start making blends, and I say. Wow, I really like this. This is different. This is unique. This is good. This is great. And then I'll work on it. And then when I think it's down to two or three cigars, I'll give it to my brother. I'll give it to another guy, Adam, who's got a good palate in my office. Probably three of us. The rest of the people in the office really don't know Your sales team is even worse. And Marissa at a factory in Honduras is pretty good. She knows my palate. So about three, four people. But... I, I never, we never go to the drawing board and say, hey, we should make a cigar that's mild and we'll sell at this price point. Let's, you know. Yeah. No, never. We just seriously, I blend for my palate 100%. I say, if I like it, they should like it. And I, I never blend for the consumer. I blend for what I think. So, is what's good. your so, least favorite cigar you've made? So, I prefer richer, fuller cigars, right? That's my palate. So, okay. I barely, I, I rarely smoke the 1999 vintage or the yeah. 1990 or That's 92. Yeah. Uh, but I will say this. I really started liking the white label. So it's very hard to blend a mild cigar with flavor. It's right. easier to, it's easier to blend a cigar that's medium to full bodied, that has character. That's easier to do, but to take a mild cigar that delivers flavor is very hard because it's either too mild or it's either too strong. Right. But to have that, the hardest thing I did was that white label that we came up with to make a mild cigar with character and flavor. Which was I the did. Hardest I thing made I our top five. And I have to have that. I, I need to yeah. have that. So, And especially because we're growing so much tobacco in Nicaragua, and Nicaraguan tobacco is richer and heavier and fuller. Yeah. So it's much harder to do that. So the, out of the entire journey in 25 years, I think the the most difficult blend was the white label to make a a mild cigar with character. Why don't we rate these? Yeah, let's go around. Yeah, let's go around. So what we do on our show is we usually cover a band, so we don't know. We do a blind turf. We do a blind turf, 
and it, it, it's, it's really good. It's, although it's a single blind study, um, one person, usually Dave, brings the cigars, and no one knows what it is. So we try to guess, and nine times out of ten, we're wrong. Then we rate the cigar. Yeah. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to go around the hacks, and we're going to rate the cigar. And at the end of the year on our show, we have an awards show, and at the end of the year, the top cigars, we, we go over the top three cigars. And right now... Can you give us the list? What's the top five you got right now? Top so five. the top five cigars. And again, you have to understand... Well, I could give you the rating for the most top obnoxious person. Yeah. How many what? cigars for the year, and what's your top five? So right now, we got a, we got about 15 in our, our top. So anything above a nine is considered a top cigar. Do me a favor, big guy. Go out there and just tell him to keep it down. Just for a couple more minutes. Please. Thank you. And so we're a bunch of smokers who've been smoking cigars for 20 and 30 years. But we're hacks. We're not experts. We know what we like. And each of the hacks have a different type of palate. I'm a mild to medium smoker. Pat's a medium smoker. Dave's a full, full, Dave and Rick are both uh, full-bodied. So when a cigar gets a nine or above, it's a good cigar because it, it, it goes for everybody. Yeah. And so our top five cigars right now, number one at a 9.64 is the Double Broadleaf San Andreas by called, you. Called um, the num- DBS. DBS. Yep. DBS. Number two is the Aladino Lancero Vintage Selection, 9.57. Good cigar. Number three is, is a brand new cigar called the Mulan Labe. It's a Toro. It's a boutique cigar. Who makes that? Uh, Mulan Labe. Well, it's, 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 yeah, it's brand new. They okay. only made 3,000 boxes, and then they're gone. The Deadwood Fat Bottom Betty. Fat Bottom Betty came out to a 9.37, and in fifth place is the Rocky Patel White Label. And again, you have multiple palettes. So we're going to go around the room. Start with you, Dave. Oh, you're going to start with me, okay. Yeah, we I never, never stop. I know you don't. I never stop. <laughs> okay, this is my second one tonight. It's a fabulous cigar, really is. And, you know, 20 years in the making, and it shows. Yeah. Smokes great, burns super. Construction is unbelievable on this one here. Drawer is perfect, makes lots of smoke, tastes great, less filling, right? <laughs> I'm going to go with a 9.5. Beautiful. Okay. Pat. This Pat. I really, so this is my third one tonight. <laughs> well, I guess you like it, huh? I really appreciate the blend. Again, I, I did research on it. If I'm wrong, Rocky, correct me. But the nice Maduro um, Sumatra wrapper gives it a nice, like, kind of rich kind of spice, a nice sweet kind of cocoa. I believe it's a 10-year ancient Doran binder. I might be wrong on that, but I believe that, right? Stern face. <laughs> but th- that that gives it nice balance, and then again, like those Panama fillers gives it like a really unique kind of rich kind of cocoa-y, syrupy kind of thick kind of sweetness. It kind of coats the palate, and then Honduran filler gives it like nice like white spice, a nice kind of like terrier kind of like earthy kind of creaminess to it. So it's a nice, really complex smoke. Uh, I would give it a nine point six. I think it's very balanced. It has a lot of complexity to it, nice body to it. And then again, like me, I'm usually a full-bodied smoker. It's really just kind of hits the nail on the head. You know, you can really kind of distinguish the characteristics of the cigar. And then it just it, it just balances so well together. And 
So I, I need to smoke the original edges, I think, is what I need to do now. But this is a 20-year of it. But, yeah. Hunter. Really cigar. Thank you. Yeah. Again, I agree with uh, with Pat, too. I mean, uh, the cigar is, uh, I'm a full-body cigar smoker. The ring gauge is, you know, it's all right. I'm a, I'm a 56 to 60 ring gauge. But for this uh, this cigar, it's, it's you know, well-constructed. It's smoking smooth. You can, you can taste it. You know, a few different flavors as you're going through the whole cigar. And, you know, I usually don't smoke it right to the nub. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it tastes great. I'm, I'm going to give it a 965 as well. Um, it's, it's very good. So we have a special guest, Joey. 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 Joey, Joey the, the mayor. Godfather. Joey. Joey. You need the more Godfather, the mayor. He's got plenty. And uh, this guy smokes more cigars than anybody He's I know. He's got more game than Coleco, too. And, uh, <laughs> Joey, uh, I know you haven't said much. Uh, I know he's usually in the Fuente camp, so I'm quite what do you think about Curious this bad boy? To see, what do you think about this cigar, Joey? This is a cigar that I personally would smoke every day, whether start my day or middle of the day. So I think that it has fantastic construction, which I think is more important than flavor because most consumers, unfortunately, don't know how to retrohale yet to enjoy the true flavor of a cigar. And then from there, it just has great cocoa notes all the way through and very well blend, and I love the complexity of this cigar. So what do you give it? One to a ten. One to a ten. Well, uh, hmm. Rocky's within striking distance. Joey's never gotten anything over a seven, so I'm curious. Yeah, <laughs> that's what she said. But, uh, so, uh, yeah, I'd probably give it a uh, 9.5. Pat McGroin is his <laughs> real name. Yes, his real new name. Um, so, this is uh, the best cigar I've ever had. It really is. Wow. It It is... The this is better than the one I just had. I am really enjoying this cigar. You're talking DBS? No, no, no the, the, the first twenty year I just oh, yeah. you had two of these. Yeah, this yeah, was this. even better than the first. Yes, okay. yes, and I feel like if this wasn't my fifth cigar tonight, I could have had another one after this. Like I don't want to stop smoking it. It is truly, and I'm not BSing you. Like this is a very, very good cigar. It hits. Every note that I like, it hits that sweetness, that cocoa-ness. Mm-hmm. Very easy to take in. It's not harsh at all. The DBS, the San Andreas, I'm not a huge San Andreas tobacco guy myself, so I liked it. It was it was the best San Andreas I've had, but that spiciness, I stay away from that. Uh, and But this is just top-notch, top-notch, and it is a solid 10. It is a solid and for Pat the Pruna. This wow. is Pat the Pruna. Oh, phenomenal Pat cigar. McGroin. Yeah. <laughs> I got. I got what, what, is that, what, a, boy. what is that average out? This could bring the average right. down. Animal so so I have to. T- I have to tell <laughs> you. If he gave an enema before he tasted it, then you never know. I have to tell you that in five years of doing a show week after week after week, the show hasn't missed a week in five years. I've given three tens to a cigar. One of them was the double broadleaf. This is better. Yeah. This is better than the double broadleaf, and I didn't think anything was better. And I'm a, I'm a tatuaje smoker. I love tatuaje. This cigar knocks my socks off. And if I could rate it higher than a 10, I would. I'm giving it a 10. Thanks, Rick. Wow. And I'm not saying that. It, listen, we've done a lot of shows with a lot of owners and top reps and all sorts of people we, we, te- we speak the truth and I make the joke that 
We did one show, and I think I threw the cigar in the lake because <laughs> I, I thought it was the worst thing I ever tasted. It doesn't do it doesn't do the the owners or the reps any good if we lie. Yeah. We're going to tell you the truth if we like it or if we don't like it. it. It's very personal. Every cigar is very personal. So this comes out to a nine point seven eight. It is the highest rated cigar. It's actually a nine point seven eight seven. So nine seven nine seven nine a nine point seven nine. Wow, very good cigar. Yes, out. I got I got to clear some room in my trophy room so I got <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. So so this is the tell me the full name so I got to get it here It's the Edge 20th anniversary and this is the release of it here This, this is, is the it fir- this is the Let first- me tell you guys seriously like this stuff came in Monday we had a big like Zoom call with Rocky and all the team at the office. Listen, I they turn and burn this stuff. I have to air freight these cigars. Normally, we we ship the cigars by container. Because of this event, we have to air freight these cigars over from Nicaragua. They're air freighted for this event. I personally don't like to air freight cigars because they're not in the best condition. Because you're going through the air, they're coming through they the temperature up and down, cold, pressure, down to pressure, everything else. We normally ship them by container in air-conditioned and humidified containers. Then the cigars come to our warehouse, and we let them rest for two to three weeks before we ship them. So the fact that you guys are giving this high accolade, we really appreciate it. I think once the cigar rests, it's even going to be better. So <laughs> Is I really that possible? Appreciate it. And I think it's safe to say that you guys are the very first folks that have done a podcast rating this cigar. You're the first to smoke it on a podcast, right? I mean, it, it couldn't yeah. be because nobody else has had it. Yeah, It it's, just got here. You know, and, and, and again, we're just a bunch of hacks. We're just yeah. a bunch of consumers that like cigars. But you know, at the end of the day, what's important is the hacks. And most consumers are hacks. And everybody's got a different palate. I understand it. Everyone's got a different taste profile. Uh, like my good friend over here, you know, George. Joey said, construction, it's, it starts with construction. If you don't have a cigar that draws properly, That's right. you don't have a cigar that burns properly, off the gate, it, yeah. it sucks. Right. And, and you got to have that. That's an automatic. And then after that, it's all about the flavor profile. And that cigar delivers the flavor. And most people, I mean, yeah, you can hate a cigar, you can like a cigar, but when it's a good cigar, most people are going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Some people might say it's great, some people might say it's good, but when it's great or good, that's pretty damn good. Yeah. And so that's what we try to do. We make a cigar that's supposed to be, it's got, it's, I like a cigar that's got character, mm-hmm. it's got flavor, but it's got to have balance. Yep. It can't be overwhelming. And that construction thing. And the balance thing, comes from the, the, the fermenting and the aging. When you talk about construction, that's not by accident, because what I know, what, what we do and what Rocky's in charge of making sure it happens at our factories. We got quality control. Oh, I beat them. I beat Every them. I mean, single pair has a draw machine in front of them. So before it gets capped and wrapped, it goes up there in the draw machine just to make sure it's not too tight to it. A hundred percent of the 100%. cigars we make are draw tested. Most factories don't have draw testing machines. The ones that do randomly draw test two to three percent. We draw test a hundred percent or something. I mean, you got to remember, it's a handmade product. You don't know if the rollers got in a fight with the wife the night before. You You don't know if they got drunk the night. You know, it's it's a handmade product. Do you you freeze them? We do. So we have to. Right. Because being the natural product it is, 
when the cigars come out, they actually get heat or warm. Tobacco bugs break out. That's right. There's tobacco, life. Right? There's, there's, it's, there's it's life a, it's in the tobacco. Organic, it's organism. an organic live product. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you have to freeze them. And then we take them out of the freezer, and then we let them rest for four weeks wow. before we ship them. But yeah. you have to, you have otherwise to. you get the beetles. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, if I if I may give you guys a small little story, Rocky, if I can, hopefully you guys can edit it out if he tells me I'm getting too deep into no. what I've seen. But I, I was down at the office a few months ago, down in Naples, for a visit with Rocky. And I was in the office getting some work done. Behind the garage? Yeah. We, we, were, we were in the war room. We have a war room down in the office. And, and Rocky and the crew were doing their thing. They had a meeting going on about, actually, it was about this. It was about packaging and all the stuff that we were doing. And I was there doing some of my work. And I watched Rocky uh, get up and go into the warehouse. And he came back and he brought a box of cigars. And he opened up the box of cigars, and I have no idea what's going on. It's like, what, like, what's he doing? It was nothing to do with what they were talking about. He just opened up a box of cigars. And he takes it out of the cellophane, and he starts ripping the cigar apart, and he's looking at it, opening it up, and looking at all the different stuff going on in there. And, and, and the, here's the owner of our company just, you know, taking a break, going out of the warehouse, picking a random box of cigars, you know, off the shelf, and coming in here and deconstructing it, opening it up and checking it. And I, I saw him, like, touching it and feeling it and just making sure it was filled properly. He's looking at the blends, and you can tell the different tobaccos when you open the cigar up, and... That that just you know I never said anything to him, but for me, as like I watched him do that, I was like, damn, you know, here he is. He don't have to do that, you know. We he's got a bunch of people he pays to make sure all this stuff happens the right way and all that. But he took some time out to go and grab a box of cars just and to check, look at it and make sure. Check the like quality. You know, we talked about the draw and, and it repairs the draw machine, but that that's the beginning. And if you want to snap forward to the end before the cigars, the box shuts and it gets cellophane and shipped out. We have a person that actually looks at those and makes sure all those cigars look right, the same color, no big veins. Like So when you open up that box of cigars when you're a consumer and you buy that and you spend your good hard-earned money and you get home and you open it up, it just looks beautiful and they all look the same and they're going to smoke really good. So that, like, I saw that with my own eyes. And, and yeah, well, me, that, I, I that always... That speaks a lot to him. I always you know? randomly just go in the warehouse and open up the box and deconstruct it to make sure... The lijeros in the middle. I make sure that it's properly bunched. Bunches the that right way. There's no broken filler in it. That's perfectly constructed. Standard, and whatever. the only way you can do it is by deconstructing. So what happens if you uh, find problems? So every single box that we have has a code in it. And when we look at the code, the code tells you who bunched the cigar and who put the wrapper on the cigar. And trust me, when mm-hmm. we find out that there's a problem... yeah. I've been with him. On the, he's on the phone calling the factory. Hey, yeah. you need to check this. You know, they need more yeah. of this. They need more right. filler in there. So they that particular roller, that particular buncher, right. we watch them, make sure things don't happen properly. Right. The supervisor on them, checking them, making sure it's done right. I just think that speaks volumes to the product that... And listen, it's a handmade you know. product. Never be perfect, but you try to eliminate all the mistakes you possibly can. Yeah. Okay, I have one. All right question topic here i want to ask you about the factory tabacusa yeah so when did that start when did you get the I, I think tabacusa has been like 12 years, 12, uh, years i don't yeah. know the exact uh, number of years i can't remember now so we started that factory in nicaragua about 12 years ago we've had our farms there for at least a decade so we have a farm in esteli we have a farm in condega and we're getting ready to build a brand new factory 
in Nicaragua. So with the political instability, we kind of had it on hold for about two years. But we're getting ready now, and I, I would say it's going to take us two years year and a half to get that factory built mm-hmm. but uh, it's going to be one of the nicest factories in Nicaragua so Tabacusa is your own that's my own 100% owned by us is that the only one right now that's the only one we have a factory in Honduras also which is the factory is owned by the Placencia family mm-hmm. but we control everything in that factory so we have our own people working in the factory our own supervisors from the pylons to the curing to the fermentation to the construction to the packaging so we control that factory, but the factory itself is owned by the Placencia family in Honduras. So two main production two facilities. One We're in going Honduras, to Nicaragua and Honduras. Yeah. <laughs> Rocky. And we'd love to have everybody nice, nice tour of the at factory. the factory and, and anyone that's listening yeah. to this. If you ever want to yes. go down to the factory, uh, you'll have so much more of an appreciation of how much work goes into making a great quality cigar. We take you to the farms, the curing, the fermentation, the factory. We lay out all the tobaccos you have to make your own blends we make the cigars with your own blends we have beautiful villa down there with the swim pool we wine and dine you we take care of everything and and you learn so much while you're down there the only thing you do is you pay for your airfare we take care of everything else we take a couple thousand people a year we've been doing it for over 20 years and it's the best marketing tool and when i say it's the best marketing tool it's people come down there and they realize how much work goes into making a great quality cigar. 300 different hands touch of tobacco. It's a labor of love, something that's very passionate, something that takes so much work to make one good cigar. And that's not just for the hacks. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you know, reach out to your local tobacconist. We have reps all over the country. You want to go to the factory? Let somebody know. Let your, you know, let the Mike. I want to go on Rocky's boat. We're going. Oh, you want to go on the boat? The boat's easy. That's easy. I want to go on the boat. Boat's for sale. And I go to Florida very. You better get down to Florida very frequently. (laughs) You're not going to find any other boat in that area that's going to get on the fish as easy as his boat. We, we, the last time we went out, we, we go out literally like. Before, you, remember I ate the sandwich? Like, I was hungry. So I'm like, I'm like Rocky, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat a sandwich real quick. He's like, don't, don't, don't eat, don't eat the sandwich. The fish is going to be on. I'm like, oh, I'll eat a quick sandwich. They're putting the bait on the hook. Literally, like, they, they put the, the hook in the water, fish is on the hook. So when you catch a fish, does somebody take the fish off? Rocky, I'm allergic to fish. Well, somebody but I take love the fishing. Fish. Somebody take it off for you. That's a beautiful <laughs> thing. I take my own fish off. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we'll come back I with a fish. So yeah. uh, when we go out, there's some serious fish. Uh, I'll Literally eat after the first 30 minutes, your biceps are sore. You're like, oh, I'm done. This is awesome. <laughs> Rocky caught an over 600-pound thresher shark right off the coast of Massachusetts wow. a couple of years ago. We were out fishing. Wow. Big boy. It would take us a couple hours to bring it in. That was yeah, that little paddle hours. boat, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the no, little cocky dinghy. But we went out last time. We, went, we, we got. What, what did we get? We got grouper. We got. We got oh, grouper. grouper we got fish. barracuda. We got amberjack. We got some snapper, reds. Yellow tail. Yeah, we got some yeah, nice. stuff. Yeah, I love that snapper. By the way, look out for. Uh, we're gonna. We have a project coming out with Joey. It's gonna be a, a secretive project, cool project. Joey, the mayor, the godfather. We got a cigar coming out in one year. Look out for Joey. Joey. He's going to be at your retail store. He's going to be the man, the professor mm-hmm. of cigars. He's going to be the man. We're looking forward to it. Thank yeah. you. Thank okay. you. So, right. job. So You're I, fired. I'm going to be. I know. No, Joey and I would be partners. Yeah. Yeah. We'll crush it, Joey. Yeah, we'll be partners. I finished my twentieth, and I'm going back to my DBS here. <laughs> so the DBS 
just got released too. So you released two. So yeah. Right so earlier time. talking about the double bonding. Right. Uh, for for those of you that don't know, it's called the DBS, the Rocket Patel DBS, and that's a San Andreas wrapper. The beauty about that cigar is we used a Connecticut broadleaf binder and a Pennsylvania broadleaf in the filler. Wow. Broadleaf is the hardest tobacco to get right now in the world because all the broadleaf that's grown in the world and most people in Connecticut stop growing it because it's too labor intensive all those farmers are being bought out but any broadleaf that's being grown is being bought by the machine made companies for the blunt wrap Mm -hmm. so all the blunters with the grape and the watermelon they like that broadleaf because it's a thick wrapper they can flavor it and you know what they put in it you know the marijuana and everything else Mm -hmm. and they like it and so there's no broadleaf available for us premier manufacturers to make cigars because all the blunt guys are buying all the broadleaf sure but this dbs is fabulous too thank you we Mm. smoked it on the veterans day show yeah it was. It used to well, be I our think, top rated I think twentieth is number one, and <laughs> yeah. DBS is number, number two, two now, right? Yeah. 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 Well, the DBS is the cigar that you're looking for to get you where you want to be. Yeah. You know, you smoke it's that, and then you smoke a twentieth night after, just to mellow out your night. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Two fabulous cigars at oh, the same fantastic. time. <laughs> well, cigar hacks. Thanks for having me yeah, here. I really thank you so show. much for and, being uh, on the show. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Great to meet you all. Yeah, what it's been yeah. a pleasure. On what a, on a, on a, have improv. On the this is the improv show. We, uh, mm-hmm. Sorry for the background noise and yeah. <laughs> we're used to it every oh week. Right. So you talk about mm-hmm. a labor of love. This so, podcast is something that we just do because we love doing it. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you guys bringing the knowledge to the consumers out there, spreading the knowledge and the wealth. And this is such a beautiful artist and industry, and we work so hard and something we're so passionate about. And thank you to people in Honduras and Nicaragua. They're the yes. people that work hard to deliver these great quality cigars for all of you out there. So we appreciate you, and we appreciate the Cigar Hacks for spreading the knowledge and the wealth about this beautiful artist and industry. It's fabulous. Thank and thank you so much. Thank you. Shadow, what are you going to do? If your favorite cigars of the decade. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing, wrong, nothing with wrong with that. With that. But now you got cigar. Now you got two. So your favorite cigars of the decade, and now you got two cigars that are rated higher than the decade. It's getting tough. It's getting tough. It really is because they just keep up in the game. That's right. Up in the game. <laughs> There's nothing better than having an impromptu show. Now you really got the history of Rocky Patel at its finest. Oh, yeah. So. This, this is, is probably one of the best shows. Yeah, this is yeah. a pop-up podcast. Ever, <laughs> this is something that wasn't of. planned. Yeah, mm-hmm. this was awesome. Ever. And once you edit it, it's going to be perfect. Thank God it's not live. Holy no! You got a law firm. You was there a person from? sitting in their chair that didn't want to get up and yank oh. that thing all over? Oh, oh my yeah. god! <laughs> mm. Yep. Well, you guys, it's not the so first like, time. You guys, like Rocky said, thank you because you guys, you know, really support us and bring our story as a company out to the consumers. Yeah, and really, really, I want to invite you guys all to a trip down to Honduras and Nicaragua because wow. I can speak till I'm blue in the face, but when you come down there right. and actually see the strict quality control standards and how much work goes into every pilone and the curing and the fermentation, and you see the tobaccos that we put away for 8, 10, 12 years, and then you see the strict quality controls in the construction, and then we take the cigars, and these cigars weigh to fall within 2 to 3 grams of each other, and the draw testing, and then it goes into the quality control room where 
literally touch every cigar, look at the cap, look at the head of the cigar, feel every cigar, make sure there's knots. Then it goes in the aging room, and then it comes out of the aging room, and then being a natural product, there's so much diversity in color. Well, every box that you open up a rocket tell each one looks exactly the same, looks like a piece of chocolate. It doesn't happen automatically. 21.3% of the cigars that are perfect in construction, perfect in smoke, are rejected either as factory selects or factory seconds. The factory selects are the ones that have some pinta spots on it. Factory seconds are the ones that show veins on it. Perfect to smoke that you would never know. And that's how meticulous we are. Where do those sure go? Good. So we actually set, sell them as private labels to the right. catalogs. Sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. So those will okay. be the cigar hack private labels, huh? Right. There you go. They're a bunch of hacks. They won't know. <laughs> just we'll talk about it. Just get us the artwork, the other cigar hacks artwork. We'll work on that next year. We'll see what we can get going. All right. Cool. Awesome. So, uh, anything else? I think we're good. We're good. good. Ready to wrap it up? Yep. Okay. You play the music in my point. You play me. Okay, thanks to the panel. We're going to dispense with all of the ending stuff here. I think think we're just going to wrap her up here. Okay? You okay with that, Ricky? Go ahead. We're just going to dispense with all of everybody. So we got... I got... We got Pat, the law student, the shadow, Sean, Hunter Rick, Mike the cop. I'll have to play yours. Thanks for having me, guys. Joey. Joey, Joey. Oh, I need your advice. Yeah. See, I got this friend named Joey Jojo Jr. Hey, how you doing? Shabadoo. That's the... <laughs> Pat McGroin. Yes. Wonderful Nurse night, Rick. Rocky Animal Patel. boy. Great to be with the cigar. Oh, turn you back on. Safe. Love you. Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Happy Hanukkah. Rock for the one Jew in the yeah. crowd. Mm-hmm. Happy okay. Hanukkah. Okay, that's it. Thank-